Welcome to Current Radio's Politics Station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. Abby, let's dive into the 2024 election season. Charlie Cook, the seasoned political analyst, seems to think we're headed for a Biden-Trump rematch. What's your take on that? Well, Michael, I think Cook raises an interesting point. While a rematch may be on the cards, he suggests that both parties could benefit from a fresh face. Right. And it's not like there aren't other hopefuls. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, and entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy are all vying for the Republican nomination. True, but Cook doesn't seem to believe the race for the Republican ticket is that competitive. Despite endorsements for DeSantis and Haley, Trump's popularity within the party and his lead in the polls are... Hard to beat, right? Cook even went as far as saying that the Trump supporters are all in. His position as a former president and his popularity within the party give him a clear edge. And let's not forget, Trump's campaign this time around is more traditional than his previous ones. Cook believes it's better than it was in 2016 and 2020. Cook also mentioned that Trump's luck in 2016 came from facing off against Hillary Clinton. The voters' distaste for Clinton had a bigger impact on the election than support for Trump. And he suggests a similar situation happened in 2020. The election was more about resistance to Trump than it was enthusiasm for Biden. But Biden also has problems with crucial voters in swing states and with independents. Cook cited a recent poll that found Trump led Biden in five of six states that Biden narrowly won in the last election. Cook seems to think that the Democratic Party would be more likely to win in 2024 if they chose a different nominee. He even called for Biden to step aside and let the party nominate a more formidable competitor to take on Trump. And Cook is not alone in that sentiment. There were scattered claps in the auditorium when he suggested Biden step aside. Exactly. Cook believes that a generic Democratic governor or senator would win against Trump. That race would be about Trump. And what about a potential third-party candidate? Cook thinks that would hurt Biden and other Democrats more than it would impact Trump. Yes. Cook suggests that many of the moderates and independents who supported Biden in 2020 because they wanted Trump out of office are not satisfied with Biden. If another option is presented, they might take it. From the political climate to the actual climate, let's shift our focus now. As we contemplate the potential future of our nation's leadership, there are pressing issues that continue to demand attention. One such issue is the ongoing battle against climate change, and it seems New York is taking a bold step in this fight. Abby, let's dive into the details of this groundbreaking legislation that's making waves in the environmental community. So, Abby, let's dive into this new legislation in New York that has environmental advocates rallying. It's called the Climate Change Superfund Act. Right, Michael. It seems to be a direct challenge to big oil companies. They're being told to foot the bill for climate change projects. Yes, Blair Horner, the director of New York Public Interest Research Group, put it quite succinctly, when you make a mess, you clean it up. And that mess could cost big oil companies around $3 billion a year. That's according to Bronx Democratic Assemblyman Jeffrey Dinowitz, who's sponsoring the legislation. And Dinowitz makes it clear that $3 billion is a lot of money, but it's a tiny amount to these companies and a fraction of what's needed to clean up the damage they've caused. 
but it's not without its critics. Ken Girardin, research director for the conservative think tank, the Empire Center for Public Policy, argues that the cost will ultimately fall on consumers and taxpayers. Right, he says that the higher cost of selling energy here will reflect on the final cost paid by customers. But State Senator Liz Kruger, another bill sponsor, sees it differently. She believes the legislation would cut New York's spending on climate projects. Kruger's point is that this money would go specifically to paying for mitigation and remediation costs that are already happening and being paid for. So in her view, it could decrease the costs that New Yorkers would otherwise have to pay for all by themselves. That's the crux of it, isn't it? Who pays for the damage caused by climate change? The companies who've profited from the fossil fuels or the taxpayers who've used them? It's a complex issue, Michael, but it's clear that the stakes are high. This legislation has passed the Senate, but not the Assembly, and its sponsors are hoping for Governor Kathy Hochul to include it in her executive budget. We'll certainly be keeping a close eye on this, Abby. After all, the outcome could set a precedent for other states grappling with the same issues. From legislations aimed at tackling climate change, we now turn to another heated issue on the political stage. As we shift our focus from New York to the nation's capital, we delve into a developing story in the House of Representatives. The Republicans are making significant moves that could have far-reaching implications for the White House and President Biden's administration. Let's explore this further. House Republicans are making moves to formalize their impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. Abby, what's the significance of this shift? Well, Michael, this is a strategic move. They're hoping that by formalizing their inquiry, they'll strengthen their position against the White House and President Biden's son, Hunter. This could be crucial as they face potential legal battles. So they're essentially trying to give their subpoenas more weight in court? Exactly, Michael. The White House has previously stated that the inquiry lacks constitutional legitimacy without a formal vote. This move could help Republicans counter that argument. And what about Hunter Biden's role in all of this? Hunter Biden has indicated he's willing to testify publicly in the House Oversight Committee's inquiry into his actions. This is instead of a private deposition. That's quite a move. And it seems like Hunter Biden isn't planning on backing down anytime soon. Definitely not. In fact, he's adopted a more aggressive strategy, even suing several of his detractors. It's clear that this is more than just an impeachment inquiry. There's a lot at stake here. Absolutely, Michael. This is about the balance of power, the legal battles, and the internal dynamics within the Republican Party. It's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds. From one high-stakes political battle to another, let's shift gears from the impeachment inquiry to a pressing issue that's reshaping the political landscape. It's a topic that could be a game-changer for the 2024 elections. We're talking about the legal challenges surrounding voting rights in multiple states. This is a complex issue with far-reaching implications, and we're here to delve deeper into what it means for our democracy. Stay tuned. We're diving into a significant topic today, aren't we, Abby? The legal challenges surrounding voting rights in multiple states. It's a game changer for the political landscape ahead of the 2024 elections. Absolutely, Michael. Georgia, for instance, is redrawing its congressional maps after a judge ruled that the current maps dilute the power of black voters. It's a big step, 
but there's a lot more to this story. Hold on, Abby. Let's delve a bit into that. What does it mean to dilute the power of Black voters? Great question, Michael. In essence, it's about the distribution of voters across districts. If a group's voters are spread thinly across many districts, their voting power, their ability to influence election outcomes is diluted. Now, this ruling could have a ripple effect. Right. It could roll back decades of enforcement that protected minority representation. But there's another aspect to this, isn't there? The Eighth Circuit Federal Appeals Court issued a ruling that could gut a key section of the Voting Rights Act. Indeed, Michael. The ruling states that only the federal government, not private citizens or groups, can sue under Section 2 of the Civil Rights Law. This could have significant implications for minority representation, and not just in redistricting, but other aspects of voting as well, like where polling places are located. So it's not just about who can vote, but also about where and how they can vote. This seems like a major setback for voting rights. What's the response from civil rights groups? Well, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund is deeply concerned, Michael. They believe this could potentially invite more voter suppression and racial discrimination in our electoral process. The American Civil Liberties Union also plans to file a petition for the full Eighth Circuit to rehear this case. And on the other hand, there's a federal court ruling that Georgia violated Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. Now, Georgia is adding new majority black districts across the political map. What does this mean for black voters, Abby? It means that black voters will have a fair shot at being able to elect candidates of their choice, Michael. It's a step towards making the electoral process much fairer and free of racial discrimination. Quite a contrast to the Eighth Circuit ruling. It seems like the fight for voting rights is far from over. Abby, with these ongoing challenges, what's the pattern that you're seeing here? The pattern, Michael, is a tug of war between efforts to uphold voting rights and challenges to those rights. Despite the Supreme Court upholding Section 2 earlier this year, there are still continued challenges from Republicans in states across the country. It's a battle that's likely to continue as we approach the 2024 elections.